Good morning. Good morning and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show radio to open the heart, heal the soul and awaken the consciousness. Betty, it's good to see you. You too, as always, Loretta. And um, we're now officially in spring. Spring has sprung. It's all around us. Spring has sprung. Isn't there a song like that? Probably. There's tons of songs. (laughs) You can even make one up and we'll consider it a, a good one. By the way, I know St. Patty's Day was last week, but you know, it's got to be the wearing of the green for all of my Irish and part Irish It'd friends. It'd be like the whole month that, then. People just want to celebrate something, you yeah. know. It'd be the whole Which, month then for you. It, it'll be the whole month. Thank you very much. Yeah, spring is sprung and it's sprang, spring forward. <laughs> gotta love it. Gotta love it. I'm starting to get used to the time change. You would think one hour wouldn't throw me off so much, but I don't know. Some adjustments for some people are different than others, so you know. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I am Loretta Brown. I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for the last 26, 27 years we've been around. Uh, I am still around. (laughs) I've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings and things like that, but we are gearing back up um, to have people come in uh, just kind of a limited amount. So you can find out more about me at ReikiOasis.com. You can schedule everything at schedule.reikioasis.com. Do remember that every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I offer a meditation. And this is just a little meditation to help you center yourself and realign yourself and dust off whatever and call in whatever and and uh, try to get lift your spirits is really what it is. Lift your vibration and, and uh, all the good things, as I say. Uh, we're doing a lot of meditating with angels and beings of light. And so if you like that sort of thing, uh, please join me. You can sign up at schedule.reikioasis.com. And if you cannot attend at 11 a.m., it's a Zoom call, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, sign up anyway. Everybody that signs up gets a free recording of the meditation that you can listen to anytime you want. So it's really, really good. Also, I am a listener-supported show. And... From my heart to yours, thank you so much for any support that you give because it helps me keep wonderful guests on the show like who I have today, who I'll introduce in a few moments. And uh, if you want to be part of my Patreon family, you can go to patreon.com slash the Loretta Brown Show. And then lastly, every month I do a, a workshop for women called Temple of the Divine Feminine because we love to... Uh, step into the fact that we are goddesses oh yes we are and and we might be mm, we're goddesses in the works you know um when i was a little girl uh, before i went to bed my dad used to tell me greek mythology those were our bedtime stories you know like pegasus and you know athena and zeus and um i realized at that time <laughs> it was probably a lot of psychology to tell you the truth But the gods and goddesses all have different personalities. So you know what? Everybody listening, you are a god and a goddess in your own right. And uh, you certainly get to know more about yourself as we go through life. But if you want to be part of Temple of the Divine Feminine, you can sign up at schedule.reikioasis.com. So a little, uh, I I do want to check in with astrology because we do have a lot going on. But I want to spend most of the time with my guest today because She has written a wonderful book and uh, just a little foreshadowing, a wonderful book that's going to help you with all of those stuck places in your life that you haven't been able to work through. So as you're thinking about that, 
that's just a little bit like don't go away right we did have a, we have a wonderful libra full moon coming sunday to monday the march 28 29 depending on where you are on planet earth and this is bringing some of the most beautiful high powered energies for healing protection and harmony a year ago march 2020 i think you all remember what was happening then i had just returned from taking a group to egypt for a sacred tour and came back to the the uh, pandemic lockdowns right and the world was a very different place since that time we've gone through many many changes as you think back through the year and i'm just going to throw this out there mental health stress anxiety has really come to the forefront people taking a look at their lives and and going wow who are we and who are you and <laughs> i've been working all the time and now i'm locked up at home with you <laughs> and the kids and the dogs uh oh what help me but we've all had new experiences experiences that have shaped and moved us and this full moon is our chance to acknowledge and release all that no longer needs to be with us full moons are illuminators it's like turning the light on and the libra energy libra is the energy of balancing right finding balance the Libra energy of this full moon supports us in finding a balance between the old state of what once was and the new state of what can be remembering you are creating this. Ooh, ah, uh-oh. And then you also will have the grace and the discernment that is needed to either hold on or let go. We don't always have to throw everything out. You know, sometimes we just have to change a perception. It's it's how we look at it. So at the time of this Libra full moon, we have Venus, planet of love, Chiron, the wounded heal healer, and the sun, another great illuminator in the sky, will all be lined up. Chiron, like I said, is, is the wounded healer, and it represents the wounds that we come into this life with. I call them soul bruises and the wounds we inherit along the way. These wounds are not the sort that ever just pass away, uh, but they can be woven into the fabric of our journey. In my temple class, we've been working with the Kintsuji bowl, breaking the bowl, looking at our broken pieces and realizing we can actually take a look at those broken pieces and put ourselves back together in a new way. Wounds that uh, injure us, they, they ser also serve to make us whole and can be viewed as a key part of our soul journey. And it is through transcending these wounds that we're able to heal and inspire not just ourselves, but also those around us because we are energetic beings, vibrational, living in an energetic world. I recommend always that people be open to the truth of what's really going on. This moon also makes a perfect triangle configuration to both Saturn and Mars, known as a grand trine. It's a great big pyramid in the sky. The grand trine alignment between moon, Mars, and Saturn is a positive omen. It's a good thing. It's like a lucky star where things flow in an easy and smooth direction. And what this really does for you is if you've been struggling with trying to work through a stuck area or to get clarity this brings in the energy of maybe you don't need to struggle what if it was all right for there to be this 
I'm going to say this challenge or this awareness or this activation. What if it was all right? If it was there, what if it came to help you with something? And if you stop struggling, quite often you'll slide through it. So this energy is all here and it's here already now. So full moons are harvest and completion points. And I would really love for you just to think of this March full moon as a graduation point, a time to celebrate all that you have achieved this past year, all you have become, and all that you are ready to become. And helping you with that today is my wonderful guest. I'm very excited to have her. She's got a great book. As uh, many of you know, many of us have tried various methodologies to help us deal with the rising tide of anxiety, depression, worry, fear. However, the majority of methodologies do not create lasting changes as they're working with our conscious mind rather than the subconscious beliefs that are driving our behaviors. My guest today is Lisa Samet, ND. She's a well-known health practitioner who has appeared on the Dr. Oz Show, and now she's on the original Loretta Brown show. See how that works? Yeah. And she has an international practice based in Montreal, special, I love Montreal, specializing in homeopathy, emotional wellness, nutrition, and lifestyle optimization. Her new book, Emotional Repatterning, Healing Emotional Pain by Rewiring the Brain. Oh, presents techniques she has used to help patients uncover and rebalance deeply held beliefs that have gotten in the way of their happiness and have caused stuckness or mental or physical pain. I'm so excited to have you on the show today, Lisa. Welcome. Thank you so much, Loretta. It's a pleasure to be here. What a great intro. I want to show people the cover of your book. I I know it's a little hard and and for people on the radio, um, it just I'm just showing the YouTubers a picture of the cover, Emotional Repatterning. It's got a lovely cover with, I think that's our brain lit up. I hope it's good stuff in there. I don't know. <laughs> so I would love to know a little bit about you and um, how you came to write this book. Well, it's that's a, a great question. It's uh, a big question. I actually, I actually grew up in the States. I've lived in Montreal for about 20 years. I've had a, a busy clinical practice uh, for all of that time, as you said, focusing on holistic healing. And as time went on, I came to realize the absolute clear relationship, which of course is not big news to any of us now, between emotional stress, unhappiness, being stuck, and physical illness. And although many of the naturopathic and homeopathic approaches are very uh, adept at treating the whole person, physically, mentally, and emotionally, I came to see though over time that there were patients, despite doing better in many ways, still were stuck with some emotional, let's call it debris, or areas of their life where they just couldn't seem to shift into something that was working better for them. And You know, when you're working deeply with patients in an intimate setting, in a clinical sense, uh, you really start to see the the patterns that plague, you know, humans, right? Because we're we're all in it together and we all have the same issues, more or less. The details might be different between you and me, but, you know, it's more or less the same stuff. 
So through this work, I came to realize uh, that there are probably eight, I've, I've highlighted eight areas that I call thinking traps. Things that we get stuck in because we don't know how to get out of them. And as I was able to see this, I, I kind of had this moment of saying, how come nobody ever taught us this? I mean, I did a lot of school. I was raised by parents that, you know, were pretty smart. I've known lots of people in my life. And I'm like, what? how come I had to get to this point to kind of see that this is like the common human experience? And why aren't we raised with an understanding of this and tools and techniques to, to, to become happier and to to get out of this, uh, you know, rather than resorting to antidepressants, anti-anxiety pills and the rest, right? So I had this kind of feeling like, wow, we, I, I need to share this information, this insight that I've had about these kind of common traps, if you will, uh, where a lot of us get stuck. And, and so that was the impetus for kind of just putting it down on paper. And it was it was the kind of thing where it basically wrote itself, I have to say. It was like, wow, wow. <laughs> a flood of, this is it. <laughs> you know, I, I love this idea of your thinking traps, because um, that brought up for me all kinds of things, such as, you know, we get stuck on these loops, is what I call them. You know, it's just this, oh, no, no, this thing happens, and now I'm going down this road, and I'm just... Here I am. I just keep grinding on it and, and over and over and over again. Um, can you give us an idea of what some of these thinking traps might be? And I know you go into it in your book in, in beautiful detail, but um, yeah, just talk about that a little bit. What, what are some of these thinking traps? Okay, so I'll give you, uh, so in the book, Emotional Repatterning, each thinking trap gets its own chapter. And basically the way I illustrate the point is I use a lot of the, my patient stories in my practice in the book. Obviously the names are changed and the details are a bit changed, but you know, that really I think helps people to relate to what we're talking about, right? It's other people going yes. through just ordinary life like you and me. And I think people uh, reading the book can see themselves in many of the patient stories. So it makes it very relatable. Uh, the first chapter, for example, the first thinking trap I talk about is self-love and you know in my work with patients it's really astonishing actually how many people don't love themselves and I, I, I was surprised by that and I'm talking about on the subconscious and deep level right because you know if I said to you Loretta do you love yourself you might say of course I love myself you know I shower every day I try to eat right I get a massage once a month you know I'm a good person why wouldn't I love myself so I think many of us feel like we must love ourselves but actually when you probe a bit more and we go a little deeper we can understand that a lot of people did not do not love themselves and you know i think my approach is not to get caught up in the who what when where and why because i think that's more the domain domain of therapy you know let's unravel your childhood and go into all that stuff i think i'm more about let's let's change it let's fix it let's address it you know time is of the essence let's just move it um, because does it really matter whether it was your dad that screamed at you when you were six and you kind of thought, oh, I'm a rotten person and I don't deserve to love myself? Or was it a teacher who made some remark or a group of friends in the schoolyard? Most of these things happened when we were young. And we may or may not know how those limiting beliefs get in our subconscious, but does it matter? That's, that's my view. Uh, so I really... 
Yeah, go, yeah. I just want to say I really appreciate what you just said because my experience, not only with myself, but my clients is that they will get stuck on that idea. Like when I was a kid, mom did this or dad did this or that person did that and they can't get off of it. And, right. and quite often they are just grinding away at that. Why did that happen? Why did they do that to me? What, you know, they, I can't get over what they did. And they're so focused right. there that according to what you're saying, and I agree with you, they're missing the point, but please continue. Yes. Well, I mean, I say a lot about your exact point in my book, not only about, okay, does it really matter, right? All of the who, what, when, where, and why, but also, I mean, when you come to the point of, okay, well, here I am today, right? And so if I choose to keep telling myself the same story that makes me miserable, well, then I'm truly stuck. <laughs> so can I tell a different story about it? Can I see it in a different way? And can I take responsibility for maybe not what happened when I was five, because I was only five, but can I take responsibility for continuing to, to perpetuate that story, right? Because then if I can take responsibility for it, well, then I can change it, right? And so actually we're skipping ahead chapter three, which is another thinking trap. It's called responsibility. How much of me is blaming everybody else and how much of my story is taking responsibility for the part that's mine? And I'll tell you why it's so great to take responsibility for the part that's yours. If I take responsibility for whatever part of that story is making me miserable, guess what? I can change it. If it's always everybody else's fault, I'm just stuck because I can't change anybody else, sadly, but true. <laughs> so, you well, know, I feel it's best to take the responsibility and say, okay, now I have some power in this story. I can change the piece that's mine. And that's actually a software upgrade, right? Then we can come through with less suffering. Uh, what you're saying to me is rich and it's deep because we're talking about changing the uh, mindset or the stuckness or the posture of victimhood. Like I'm powerless over here. And a lot of times people will even say to me, but Loretta, I'm, I'm in the situation where that person is, I'm going to say a terrible person. That's a maybe real or not, right? It's my perception. That's a terrible person. And they just keep doing these things to me. And, and I'm like, yes, but if you change here, you change there, right? You right. change what's happening here. You change there. Um, it's rich and deep. So a lot of people will fall into what I call, uh, I'm going to say punishing. Maybe it's transference, right? Like, uh, okay, so this horrible thing has happened and I'm over-focused on it and uh, I'm just going to grind away at it, not really realizing they're actually suffering. They're creating their own suffering, if I could put yes. it that way. Yes, 100%. And, you know, just to your point, um, you know, I always find language is a great revealer of what's going on inside of us, right? So, mm. you know, yesterday I had a, a gentleman in my office and we were doing emotional repatterning. And he was talking to me about his mother and his wife. And he says, you know, whenever at my mother's house, she makes me feel inadequate. She makes me feel like I don't do enough for her. And then, you know, my wife frequently points out things and she makes me feel so guilty. And then, you know, it's kind of like, okay, let's take a pause. How can anyone make you feel anything? Do they have a little, you know, like access to an on button inside you or a little dial that moves between guilt and sadness and whatever? No, let's take responsibility for that. When my mother says X, I feel like this. 
oh, well, suddenly that shifts the entire dynamic because I can't change my mother or what she's going to say, but I certainly can change how I feel about what she said. So as soon as I grab some responsibility in the dynamic, and I no longer use that kind of language, which is she makes me, he makes me, well, then I get to change something, right? Because I get to choose then my reaction to what my mother says, and suddenly the whole thing shifts open. You know, it's funny. Um, I was thinking about something that's just a small little thing, but I like to, like you did in your book, you know, bring it to the living level of life for the listeners. And um, when I was a little girl, this is giving away secrets, but you know, they're not vital. <laughs> um, <laughs> my dad was uh, a great teaser, you know, and uh, he would, uh, he, he had ways of showing us that he loved us. Like for instance, um, he would give us whisker, the whisker burns, right? Grab us and rub our faces on his whiskers, right? And I'd be like, oh, don't do that, right? And um, later on in life, I got to thinking about all the little things that he did. And I thought, you know what? When he passed, those are the things we talked about and laughed, right? Yeah. So it, it was like a change of perception. And it was like, instead of being irritated by those little things, right? I, I can change my story, and when yeah. I changed that story, all of a sudden now, instead of that just being so irritating, it was like, uh, oh, it's just the things he did that were, yeah, maybe annoying, but kind of endearing at some level. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, so, you know, you, you, you say the word stories, and that's yet another thinking trap, another chapter in the book. So exactly, you know, we have this great habit of telling ourselves a story about certain factual events. And we get so stuck in that story that we actually believe that the story is the truth about the event, but actually it's the story about the event. And if I can step back enough to realize it's only the way I tell myself about the facts and not the facts themselves, well, then that's again empowering because then I can tell myself another story, right? In fact, there is a multitude of stories that anyone can tell about the same exact set of events. And, you know, for me, like an interesting analogy, and I use this in the book, it's like if I go to my closet in the morning and I'm going to get dressed and I have a variety of shirts in there, right? Well, I have a choice of which shirt I'm going to put on. You know, there's one that doesn't really fit me very well. It's stained and it has kind of a rip on the sleeve, uh, and then there's another one that is, you know, brand new and it's the perfect color for me and fits me beautiful and I feel like a million bucks when I wear it. It's my choice which shirt I want to try on and then I get to feel the resulting way. If I tell myself a story about certain events that makes me sad, that makes me feel bad, that makes me suffer, well, I keep choosing the same shirt that doesn't work for me, right? There are other shirts in the closet. Why wouldn't I just choose a better one? It's right there at my fingertips to do so, right? It's just the awareness that you have the possibility to do so. And I think that that's maybe part of what is overlooked. I love that analogy. That's a really great thing to relate to and to uh, kind of simplify the process. Yeah, if you're wearing, <laughs> wearing that horrible shirt, uh, you could change it. <laughs> yeah, it's up to you. Know, right? <laughs> Or you can just keep wearing it going, oh, this shirt, I, I don't know, this terrible shirt. Yeah, it right? looks terrible on me. I feel terrible when I wear it, but I'm going to, you know, pick it out again tomorrow. Yeah. 
Um, you bring up some good points, though, in your book, and I want to talk for just a moment about the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. Um, you and I both know that that the simple act of affirmation, like, I love this shirt, I love this shirt, I love this shirt, especially if I'm still wearing the old shirt, <laughs> uh, does, oh, doesn't really work that much. So how much of our consciousness is conscious and how much is subconscious? And uh, what's the importance of that? Right. Well, it's great uh, to talk about that. You know, there are ongoing studies about the brain and neuroplasticity and a lot of research into this area in the last 20 years. But it, ha it has been said that the conscious mind is aware of about 5% of all of brain activity and the subconscious about 95%. So that's a big nickel dropping moment, I think, because like you said, you know, we're all making goals and I'm going to do this and I'm going to look in the mirror and tell myself I'm beautiful 10 times a day and all these things and these ideas and these plans. And that's being done with your 5%, your conscious mind. Meanwhile, there's all these programs, negative patterns, different negative beliefs that we have in our subconscious mind which is why we don't often succeed with our plans and our goals because if the negative limiting beliefs are there uh we're not going to go very far with our goals and our ideas right it's like having one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake we're not going to go anywhere fast so a lot of this work and what i presented so much in the book emotional repatterning is to work with the subconscious mind to find out what's happening there what are the patterns what are the negative beliefs discover them, uncover them, and then work to replace them with beliefs that work better for us in 2021. It's like a software upgrade, right? Instead of dragging around this bundle of rocks on our back, why don't we just, you know, come into our own and align our subconscious with what we're trying to achieve consciously? Um. There's a lot in that that uh, I want to take a, a deeper look at. We're going to take a station break and um, what, while we do that, we're going to think about everything you've said. And when we come back, I want everyone to come back because Lisa is going to share with us in the last half of the show her emotional repatterning. And we're going to talk more about that. And I, I just want to say this, too. She doesn't she's not doing talk therapy, psychotherapy, you know, that might take forever. But she's really got some very practical tools that can help you. And it'll help you if you just read her book. So once again, my guest today, Lisa Samet and her a book, Emotional Repatterning. And this is Loretta Brown. We're going to take a station break and we will be right back. Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional-sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Woohoo! Thank you, Benny. Thank you so much. I always give a shout out to Benny Mathers. He is the most wonderful producer in the whole world, <laughs> in the universe. Ah! Oh, boy. Yeah. Those are <laughs> big shoes to fill once I'm gone. <laughs> uh, you're not going anywhere. No, what? no. I'm off this. I'm kinda, I'll come get you. I'm no, off this planet. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That, I know. I know that. And I meant the same thing. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Not unless we're going together. That's how that works. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, we could do a radio show from there. You I know, don't see why we could. Cosmic. I don't see why not. Yeah. Anyway, welcome back to the original Loretta Brown show. Obviously, I am ah, the original Loretta Brown. <laughs> and you can find out more about me at ReikiOasis.com or the KKNW um, archives. And by the way, all these shows are archived. You can listen to them on all kinds of places like Podcast One, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and um, the YouTube channel, the KKNW YouTube channel, 11.50 a.m. And if you don't have the KKNW AM app for your phone, you should get it because you can just open the app and listen to any of the shows on this radio station uh, right there. It's, it's easy. It's real easy. My guest today, Lisa Samet, author of Emotional Repatterning, Healing Emotional Pain by Rewiring the Brain, During the break, we were talking a little bit, uh, possibly a little bit more personally. Uh, Lisa, I know that this book came out of your own life experience, like it just flowed out of you because of the things that you yourself have gone through. And I'm wondering if you would be um, willing to share with us the story about your son and his leukemia. Yes. So, you know, I guess this is under the heading of sometimes good things come out of bad things. Uh, but when my son was 10, which is uh, six years ago now, uh, he was diagnosed with leukemia, which I think would be horrible for any family. Uh, for us, it was not only horrible, but, you know, incredibly shocking in the sense that uh, his dad and I are both naturopathic doctors. We work together. We have a clinic together and we raised our kids with you know, only the best, we could say, you know, never a cough medicine, never a Tylenol, always naturopathic remedies and homeopathy and organic food and, you know, the best. So naively, I thought that we were protected from the bad things that happen to, you know, people on an everyday basis. But, you know, you you think that, you know, with your knowledge and awareness, you've done a better job, maybe. Well, that was blown to hell. (laughs) So uh, we, we, he wasn't feeling well and, you know, we had raised him ourselves with no medical intervention or pediatrician even, but at one point he was just not so good. I took him for a blood test and uh, it didn't look very good. So we ended up in the hospital emergency room and bone marrow biopsy and wow, the worst news ever. How could this be happening? Right? Right. So we underwent with him two years of 154 chemotherapy oh. treatments, which, you know, is beyond imagination. I don't even know oh how my we goodness. got through that. Yeah, it was uh, hard. 
Yeah. So, yeah. you know, just coming from where we were and then seeing these bags of red Please. and yellow chemo delivered intravenously with, by nurses in a hazmat suit because they couldn't even, you know, want to get one drop of it on them. And meanwhile, he was getting bags of it, you know, on a weekly basis. It was incredible. Uh, really, really, really tough. Talk about being ripped open and broken open and just yeah. having to look at the depths of, you know, human despair. Uh, the good news is he's he's alive. He's a 16 and a half year old teenager now, and you know, in perfect health. And you know, the system that I've never really liked very much did intervene and save his life, and I'm you know eternally grateful for that. Uh, but you know, on a personal level, I I deeply believe, and and I, and I've lived through that that. Suffering, while none of us choose that, none of us want that, uh, is a catalyst for growth. I mean, you know, I think most of us who have been through deep suffering uh, have arrived at the same conclusion. Um, and so for my own self, I think it just ripped me open to such a, a degree that I, I came back to life in my own heart so much more than I had ever been. And I would say without trying to sound too woo-woo, uh, that, you know, there's, there's some kind of like an intuition, I think, that developed. Uh, and I saw that really with my patients, because when we were working more in the emotional realm uh, with different, different topics that I discussed in the book, um, I just somehow know uh, what it is that is going on. Like, it just, I get kind of a hit about what, what's there, what's at the center of the story. And that's helped me, I think, get some of these insights in my working with patients over these years that, that led to the writing of the book. Because I think as you start to pull together these insights, you, you begin to realize, okay, wait, there are patterns here. And you know what? This is common. This is common humanity. This is not an odd thing or a rare moment or a unique thing with this particular patient. We are all suffering from the same what I call thinking traps. I mean, I wrote about eight of them and I think I could tell you a story in my own life where each of the eight of them, I've been guilty of falling <laughs> into those traps my own self. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that's a very, uh, it's a powerful uh, story from your own experience. And I, um, I can read between the lines there. Um, that was a, an amazing journey for you. In my work, I call that the dark night of the soul, right? But there's a there's a reality when we when we are faced with whatever it is that life brings us that, like you say, it really broke you open. And it's funny. I was thinking about what I said in the beginning about us in in my women's group uh, working with the kintsugi bowl and the broken pieces of ourselves. And all of us do this work. All of us do this work. It takes courage to do this work. Or sometimes. Um, you know, sometimes people have said to me and I've said to them, wow, how did you do what you did? And it's like in your in your case, too, it's like, well, you didn't have a choice. Right. Yeah. You, you had to keep moving forward. I'm also thinking and I'm not trying to make this too personal and forgive me if 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 it's going there. But I really want people to, to relate to what we're talking about so that they can say, hey, this is heartfelt work. Um, you had to take a look at your own, quote unquote, stories around health and wellness and yeah, and, and really kind of adjust that a little bit and go, whoa, wait a minute, there's there's a piece here that needs to come in. Yeah. You know, and this is one of the insights I had to the thing. You know, we are not alone, and the universe is going to give you exactly what you need. And, in fact, that's another thinking trap, and that I've labeled as the, with the title, gift. 
right? The universe is going to show up with what I'm calling gifts, opportunities for us to upgrade and evolve, which unfortunately most people don't do unless they're confronted, right? So, you know, it'd be great if we were people who, you know, feeling great on any given day said, hey, I'm going to do some self-work right now and plunge to the depths of myself and do a little work and upgrade. But sadly, it's not what most of us do, right? So we need to be nudged. And nudging can come in the form of, you know, an explosion, like what happened in my life, or it could come in a series of little nudges. I guess it depends on how open you are to the gift. <laughs> but, you know, we are here to grow and evolve. That's the fact. I think most people don't embrace that. If we would, we would not be too surprised when we're challenged and confronted and forced to reexamine various things because we're suffering. Um, so in, in this work, well, there are many ways that I think I was gifted, if you will, by the universe, but yes, one of them certainly is, as you pointed out, um, you know, in the field of naturopathic medicine, we like to feel like we're working, you know, in a, in a different paradigm than the medical establishment. And, uh, it was ironic in a sense that we ended up there to save our son. Uh, that, yeah. that irony was not lost on me, believe yeah. me. And, you know, many other things along the way, certain uh, thoughts and beliefs, let's say, that, that I had uh, inside myself were, were challenged. And not the least of which, uh, and by the way, this is another thinking trap, it's actually the last chapter in the book, is the subject of death. Because, you know, when you are with somebody who's so ill as my son was and i don't know if the leukemia would have killed him or the treatment might have killed him because i mean both of them were horrible but i had to acknowledge the fact that this boy may die i mean i didn't want to be the person that said oh no 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 don't say that don't say that you know why shouldn't i say that that's that's possible it's one of the possible outcomes here and i need to confront that as as a possibility. And can I find peace inside myself with the concept of death? And if I can, does that make the journey of the two years of his treatment somewhat better? And it did. I mean, obviously it was a horrible outcome should it have happened that way, and thankfully it didn't. But inside myself, I had to say, he might die. And that might be a grief that will be impossible to overcome but what does that mean to die? And what is that going to look like for him? And what is that going to look like for me? And of course, we never actually know, but right. we develop our own theories. And I think being able to look at that head on helped me in a way of saying, okay, there's a lot of options of how this can go. This is one of them. I'm going to look it right in the eye. I'm going to acknowledge that it's there. And I'm going to, you know, fight tooth and nail to get a better outcome than that. But I don't want to sweep it under the rug and, and say, oh, don't, don't mention that, don't mention that, which I think is a tendency of many people because death is so scary in our society. Wow, I, I just thank you so much for sharing that because it's, it's right on point. Um, I have had a lot of people who have been facing death or fear of death, right? And um, kind of like something we alluded to earlier, and I think you said it, the word responsibility and also acceptance. And I sometimes say to people, you know, the very first thing you have to do is allow whatever that is to be in the room with you, allow it. 
And yes. if you cannot allow it to be there, you're, you're battling it, you're shoving it off. And, you know, the rules of, of the universal energy is, you know, that when you resist something, it grows stronger, right? It doesn't yes. go away, it fights you. And yes. um, that idea of, of what if it was okay to sit and face death and then deal with whatever comes up. Yeah. And, and um, that could be scary. That could be overwhelming. You know, that could be very emotional. That could be in your case. I mean, I'm just sitting with that going, wow. Yeah. Exhale. <sighs> right. And step into that and see if you could allow it and then accept it. And then it sounds like you in your own, own, way because you had a very personal journey um there's an embracing of things where we 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 relax down into them in some manner so when you you know because you have this great quote i actually wrote it down from your book and you just alluded to it you you discuss your paradigm you say as you set forth in the book and i'm going to quote from your book i've come to the following conclusion we are here on earth to learn and then to return home at the end of the long school year as more evolved souls. And if we imagine for one moment this to be true, we begin to see everything through a whole different lens. Yeah. Right. Powerful, very powerful words. And the, and the idea that you somehow were able to shift how you were interacting with the whole thing. And then of course we have a wonderful ending to the story, you know, with your son being just fine. Yeah. Right. You know, I think one of the things that I kept asking myself, I mean, it may sound ridiculous to, to people who haven't been there, but, you know, as he was going through it and as we were living it, I kept saying, what's in this for me? I mean, what, what's the learning in this for me? Because his illness was a, a, a spotlight or a flashlight on everything in the family dynamics and in um, life itself, right? And so it's like, why am I being confronted with this? What is the gift in this for me? What am I supposed to learn going through this? And, and that was a question I held there, you know, among the grief and the crying and, the, and being frantic and not sleeping and all the other very human things. But there was a little part of me that was able to step aside and say, why? What do I need to learn from this? And the sooner I can understand that and the sooner I can learn that and try to squeeze every last drop out of this, yeah. the better it's going to get, whatever the outcome. Yes, and I, I'm being with how that's really, you know, it's really the heart of the issue. Um, and you said earlier, instead of asking, you know, who, what, why, where, when, and like, why is this here? Well, it's yeah. like, bring, bring it into the self. Which I think a lot of what you've been talking about today is that, you know what, in, in order to really repattern those things, we've got to come back to us, right? Yeah, it's, well, it's I gotta, agree. I mean, it's, it's all about us, you know, at the end of the day, it's never about anybody else. It's only about us. And, you know, maybe people don't like to hear that, but actually, I find that to be the most empowering thought there is. Because if it's about me, I get to do stuff. I get to fix it. I get to upgrade. I get to change it. If it's about circumstance, if it's about other people, well, I'm stuck. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because you're always looking out and you can't control that out there. 
Um, I would like to bring the discussion a little deeper into your into your book, the emotional repatterning. And so, yes. can you? Because we we're 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 stirring up all of the as you call them the the thinking traps, the places we go, and also bringing it into the living level of life, which is where we all are. So. Right. Can you talk to us a little bit about your emotional repatterning technique? And can you give uh, the listeners any, any little technique or suggestions? I mean, in your book, uh, just so people <laughs> go get it right now. You can pre-order it right now. I think it comes out tomorrow, but you can pre-order it right now. And um, you, you, in the back of it, have all these wonderful um, techniques. I'll let you explain them. Yes, I will. But I actually have a copy of the book, which you don't have. So I'm <gasps> I gonna get don't. Yeah, that's no, beautiful. You get one, though. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, it is, it's kind of fun to hold. <laughs> I bet it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the perfect question. Now, uh, as we're ending our, uh, our time together, I'm going to talk about, you know, so what do we do with all of this? So, you know, the first part of the book is really about understanding the thinking traps and how we kind of get ourselves in this mode of continuous suffering. And then at the end of the book, I talk about, you know, what can you do at home? And so I do discuss, you know, a simple version of what I might do with my patients, but it does work. And it's about identifying and then rewiring our subconscious beliefs, essentially upgrading them for what is negative and not serving us uh, to something that's more positive, equally true or more true, right? Because there's many truths. Uh, and essentially, um, it comes from numerous different uh, techniques and, and trainings that I've had over the past six years. Uh, I've probably been trained or five, six, seven different techniques and how to work with emotions. And what I present is an amalgamation of all of them. But the original source of this is something called Brain Gym. I don't know if you're familiar with Brain Gym. I am. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So then you'll know that Brain Gym... Uh, is used particularly uh, in children who have learning difficulties, right? I think that's initially how it was conceived, you know, whether it's autism spectrum disorders or uh, learning issues. It helps the brain center and balance and put it in a mode where it is able to do deep and concentrated learning. And essentially the theory behind that is that if you can engage the right half and the left half of the brain at the same time, that puts the brain in a mode of learning. Right. And so that's the premise of what we're doing. And so the way we can do that, there's a couple of different ways we can do that, but the easiest way is to cross one foot over the other at the ankle, right? And cross one arm over each other at the wrist and grab your hands and then place them in your lap. Or fold them under, yes, either way. So I'm sorry, I did that automatically. I did that somewhere online. it works online. perfectly like that. So it could be like this, or it could just be resting in your lap. Okay. okay, but when we have one side over the other, okay, we are then engaging both hemispheres of the brain. When both hemispheres of the, of the brain are engaged, now we're open to learning something new. And so let's say I discover that I'm a person who doesn't deeply love herself. Right? It's not actually that uncommon. Let's say all I want to do now, though, is teach myself to love myself and wire in a new belief. And that new belief can be, I love myself. Right? Simple and straightforward. Why not? Is there any reason I don't deserve my own love? No, there's no reason. I'm a good person. 
you know, that I don't love myself. I don't know why. And again, it doesn't matter. Let's not get stuck in that. But what I can do right now is upgrade. I can upgrade my subconscious beliefs. So with my legs uh, intertwined over each other and my wrists intertwined over each other, I then close my eyes and I repeat silently again and again and again, I love myself. And I do that for a couple of minutes until I feel some kind of a shift inside myself. Some kind of like deep yeah. breath or some kind of feeling like, yes, it's true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that is, you know, a simplified version. I go into more detail in the book about how to do it. You know, the book Emotional Repatterning is exactly for that, repatterning our emotional world. Okay. But uh, that simple technique in and of itself can replace an old negative belief with something new and more relevant to who and where we are right now. It sounds ridiculously simple, but, yeah. you know, Loretta, haven't you realized in your own life, and I've realized in mine, that some of the deepest truths are the most simple things? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, years ago, I think it was uh, Bob Newhart did this great little skit that I love called Stop It, right? This oh, woman, yeah. co woman <laughs> comes in that. and she's got some fear of being <laughs> stuck in a box or something and he, 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 people can look it up and he basically is like stop it right and she's like what <laughs> i listen i watch it every now and then because you know i i do uh, mental health counseling and and hypnotherapy all kinds of things as well as reiki but um i i wanted to let the listeners know that i actually just did what you said to do cross cross the legs cr and and cross the hands and sat and, and said, I love myself to myself. And I literally felt a shift and I just went, ah, like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I can feel it. I also was sitting and holding this uh, posture while you were explaining things. And I also felt it instantly this opening of my consciousness. And I went, ah, oh, the, the brain just went into some sort of um, balance or opening or something. So I just love this. And I also agree with you. People are going to say, well, that's too easy. What about the years and years of therapy? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> right. You know, it's true. I mean, I have people that, that see me for three sessions. I mean, we're talking about three to four hours. And the, the emails and the notes and the feedback I get from doing this work, you know, so simple, so straightforward. It's astonishing. I mean, to the point where I almost don't even believe it. But when you change those deep, deep beliefs we have, the prescription in the glasses gets more accurate. And we can suddenly see reality in a much more clear way because we don't have all this negative tape running in the background, which is a distortion of reality, right? So when the prescription gets clearer and I can see reality clearer, well, then all those affirmations and those goals and those things that I have in my conscious mind are so much easier to implement because I don't have one foot on the brake, which is my subconscious mind telling me you're not good, you're not enough, you're stupid, you're not pretty, you're too fat, you're too this, you're too that, and all the other tastes that go on in there. So when I take those things one by one and I replace them with something that's better, that's more relevant to who I am and who I want to be, well, then it's full speed ahead. And, and people actually seem to feel that that's exactly what happens for them. So it's, it's exciting for me as a practitioner, but it's also fun to share the work with you just in the simplest format as I've described it in the book, because 
it's uh, there's a lot there and it is you know very very accessible so if someone is having trouble with death and we're going to do this little exercise what is something they could say to themselves as they do that because i'm understanding also yeah go ahead Mm -hmm. well i mean the first thing that comes to my mind is to repeat i am safe Yes. Because, you know, what is it about death that's so scary? Uh, it's the fact that we don't understand what's going to happen, right. right? And as humans, we want to know everything. We want to control everything. We want to have the step-by-step formula in front of us so we can say, okay, now I, I know what's going to happen. You know, that's a total, you know, mirage. None of us knows anything about what's going to happen. And if we don't realize that now after the last year, we'll probably never realize that. But, you know, essentially it would be to repeat with your eyes closed over and over again. I am safe, I am safe, I am safe. And that's safe in human form, and that is safe in spirit form, and that is safe on Earth, and that is safe after I've transitioned away from Earth. I am safe. And there's something about believing that that makes everything easier, better, less stressful. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Because I was I was also sensing that it is the underlying fear. And... And it could be a fear of death, fear of being alone. But yeah, to be able to take that to even what I call those really, really difficult uh, places and to realize, yeah, you know, we can do this thing. It's empowering. And, you know, people can try these exercises. I mean, I really recommend your book. It's it's an easy read. It pulls you in. Uh, because of the stories in it that we can all relate to. And I'm with you. I could, (laughs) I could give an example for every one of those. (laughs) Right. Uh, But then also to know that, you know, give these things a try, you know, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. And what if it was that simple to shift yourself from over-focusing on that suffering and, 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 and just have a new thought process, a new story, a new way of looking at life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So what do you hope that people will really get from this book? Where can they get your book? And we're down to the last minute. Okay. Well, um, I, my book is being sold on every, you know, platform. I mean, every bookseller. And I'm, I'm hoping in, in most major bookstores. So it, it should be available uh, next week. And I guess the take-home point is that we are empowered You know, so many of us feel stuck in situations and in our own, you know, mental thought processes. And it is anxiety producing and it is depressing when we can't get out of that. But we can get out of that. We can. And and it's a wonderful time to be alive. There are so many techniques and there are so many discussions being had around these topics as we are doing right now. So hopefully emotional repatterning is going to be something that uh, people can relate to and try the techniques and the exercises. You will notice the shift. It works. Yeah, it really does. So this is Loretta Brown, my guest, Lisa Samet, emotional repatterning, repatterning, healing emotional pain by rewiring the brain. Um, Just go ahead and get it now. And Lisa, thank you so much. That was really fun and pleasant. I loved it so much. Blessings to you. So did I. Thank you so much for having me.